0: Welcome to In Step with Broadway Dance Lab, a podcast that explores the practice and process of becoming a choreographer. Today, a conversation with Joanne M. Hunter.
1: We were at 890 Studios, and all of a sudden, uh, Joanne, I hear my name, and, I, and uh, it was Jerry Robbins, Mr. Robbins, and he said, can you come here? And I came down, and he's looking at my resume, and he, says, <laughs> and he goes, who did you do West Side Story with? And I looked right at him, and I said, You? Joanne
0: began her career as a successful dancer with over 12 Broadway shows to her credit. She has had the privilege of working with some of the most creative directors and choreographers in the industry. I spoke with Joanne about her early memories of dancing for legends like Jerome Robbins, the process of building a show from start to finish, and the importance of maintaining an open, collaborative rehearsal environment.
1: And every director is different, every producer is different, every writer, you know, every Every room is going to be different. You have got to adapt to that room. I'm Nick Kepley,
0: Director of Communications for Broadway Dance Lab and your host for today. Stay with us. So, thank you for joining us today.
1: You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah.
0: Um, The first question that I always like to ask people on the program is, how did dance come into your life?
1: Oh, my heavens. Okay. (laughs) When I was young, about 10 or 11, something like that, my mother asked me if I wanted to take ballet class. And uh, my mother always wanted to dance. She grew up in Japan, a very poor family, and her girlfriends were in ballet school, but my mother's parents wouldn't let her because they couldn't afford it. So anyway, I was 10 11. I was living in Rhode Island, growing up in Rhode Island, and she asked me one day, do I want to take ballet class? And I said, sure. I." I don't know what else to do. My mother opened up a phone, because we didn't really know anybody. My mother, you know, moved, my father was born and raised in Rhode Island, and then after he retired, we moved to Rhode Island. Uh, my mother grew up uh, born and raised in Japan. I was born in Japan. Okay. So she opened a phone book, not kidding, just kind of closed her eyes, waved her finger over the top of the phone book, and her finger came down and we found my dance teacher. Her name is Nancy DeLeFay de Chico and um, I fell in love with the dance. I started just in ballet my first year and the second year I took my second year of ballet and my teacher said to my mother, I will I think Joanne should take another ballet class. I'll give it to her for free if she takes a tap class too. So I was like, Okay. And next thing I know, then the following year, I started taking, uh, I had a jazz class, and then I'm taking class five to six days a week. Wow. Yeah, and I just, I loved it. It was home. And I don't even know if I really understood what that meant by saying that, as I say it right now, but I, um, I prefer to be there than anywhere else.
0: How old were you when you moved over to the States?
1: Very young. I mean, I don't remember. I think we moved from Japan to Hawaii. My father was stationed in Hawaii when I was about... Three okay. and then to the mainland uh, right before kindergarten, so like four or five ish, okay. to the mainland and uh, went to kindergarten. Moved a few to a few different states because he was still in the service. Mm-hmm. And then when we settled, uh, he had two tours of duty in Vietnam. Once he finished that, he came home, retired, and then we bought our, my parents bought their their home. And I grew up in Coventry, Rhode Island.
0: Okay. And do you have a lot of brothers and sisters? I or? have
1: one brother, one older brother, who's four years older than myself, who is not in show business. He was in the military for a while. No, I'm the only crazy person. Okay.
0: And did you grow up like watching a lot of dance or, or I was did, taking the fir- your first experience? You
1: know that? what? I, I don't remember watching a lot of dance. I watched old movies. I loved... Judy Garland. Mm-hmm. I loved Nat King Cole. I list. I had his albums. Oh my God! I listened to Nat King Cole. I loved Fred Astaire, G- uh, Gene Kelly. Um, I just. I just loved watching those. I have no idea why.
0: So. Um, so when did theater come into your life through through dance? Or? Oh,
1: absolutely. Um, I. My real love of theater. There was a tour of. A course line that came through Rhode Island, and my girlfriend, my best girlfriend that Diane, she for my sixteenth birthday, she got tickets, so she took me to to see a course line and i I just thought, oh god, I just I loved it I mean, I'd never seen really seen live theater with a book and all and that that is about dance, you know right. what I mean, right. and then between my my junior and senior year of high school, I received a scholarship to study in New York for the summer with a teacher who just passed away recently, Chuck Kelly, who was one of the teachers to study with in the 80s. Mm-hmm. That's how old I am. Um, so I studied with him, and I remember Dana Moore was in class with me, didn't know who she was, and he, we were doing across the floor, and he said, he said, you see that girl? I said, yeah. He said, she's in dancing. I'm pretty sure that's the show she was in, and I, I just couldn't understand when women. it. She goes to the show at night and, is per- and performs, but takes class in the day. I don't know why that was this, the oddest thing mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. And I got a standing room ticket and saw her in the show and the show, and I, just, I thought, oh, okay. Um, and I never went home.
0: Wow. Did you, so you didn't go to school for, did you go to college? No, you, I you didn't here?
1: even, I quit high school. Oh, wow. I didn't go back for my senior year. Wow.
0: And yeah. so you were so and, so you're serious you really stayed.
1: I really stayed. Wow. And how old were you? 17. I wouldn't recommend it. I'm just saying and I didn't know any better, you know what right, I mean? I did right. end up getting my GED and I'll just tell you that I've said this to a few people. If you would have interviewed me 10, 15 years ago, I would never have admitted that. I didn't tell people mm-hmm four years hmm. that I left school I just said I graduated early I lied because I was slightly embarrassed hmm. but you know what that was my path and now yeah. you know but I did get my GED I did go to New Jersey my first Broadway show I was like okay I'm doing my first Broadway show i got to get a high school diploma
0: wow <laughs> <laughs> I mean you've done fine without, without I, so like you would, <laughs> I think it would have been okay but um, so did you did you have a roommate or how
1: did that how did, the, how did the, how those early days oh my heavens okay so I moved, when I moved, <laughs> God, when I moved to New York, I stayed, for, uh, for the scholarship, I stayed with a friend of my dance teacher's cousin. She lived on 7th Avenue and 54th, so I was right there taking yeah. class at the Ed Sullivan Building when the third floor were, were dance studios. Okay. And so she said, oh, they were like, okay, yeah, she, you can stay with her. She had one. It was a one-bedroom apartment, a king-size bed. I slept in the same bed with her. I know you're like, what? And I thought to myself, I mean, when I think back, I thought, who who does that? And whose parent let you do that? Right. Anyway, I, and she didn't charge me rent. Only thing, I had to pay for my own food. So I, I slept there, and I would go to class all day long and come back, and she worked like uh, second, third shift, so she was never home in the evenings, mm-hmm. so which was great. So by the time she got home, I was in bed. Right. Um, and then I was like, okay, I need my own place, because it was just So I found my own place on 57th and Lexington. I can't remember what it was called, the Allerton House. I think that's what it was called. It was a hotel for women. It was $100 a week. I had a little room with a bed and a sink down the hall and a toilet down the hall where the sh- communal showers. Okay. I lived there for a while, but I was it was $100 a week was a lot of money. Right. I had a little baby refrigerator that my mother gave me and I ate and a rice cooker. And I ate rice and salami, and to this day, cured meat is still one of my favorite things to eat. Wow! <laughs> and that's what I said. And the great of pretzels near—I don't know if they even still have them on vendors. You know, I thought those best things ever with mustard. Uh-huh. So that's why I survived on. And I took class.
0: Wow! Yeah. And what was that like taking class? Were you like really overwhelmed when you first came here, or how did no, you feel? No, I was no.
1: too. You know what? Now I would be so overwhelmed. But you know, there's there's truth in the saying, ignorance is bliss. Right. You, I just didn't know any better, so I had nothing to fear. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. just, I didn't know enough, so I walked down the street in my short shorts. Right. I was like, oh my God. But I walked everywhere because I didn't know the subway system, and I was too nervous by that. Mm-hmm. But yet, So I walked from 57th and Lexington to 53rd and Broadway every day for class. Um, and I just, I loved it. Wow. I loved it. I was lonely, but I, I didn't want to go back. I knew I wasn't going back. Yeah. I thought, this is, I got to, I gotta figure it out. What was your first
0: audition? Do you remember?
1: Well, the f- <laughs> I don't remember my first audition, but I remember the f- my first audition that I got, that yes. I was hired, um, and it was for the theme park, RPLAN USA. Oh, yeah. Which was amazing, and uh, I <laughs> my audition song was The Theme from the Poseidon Adventure. <laughs> Um, shoot, it was literally just on the radio not too long ago. So, oh my God, that was my first song. But anyway, I remember going to—I had to dance all day long, and then they said, "Okay, we want you to sing. Do you have sheet music?" And I—I I had my sheet music. And the the piano company said, "Are you going to sing this in this key?" And I had no idea what that meant. I was like, "Yes." I don't know what. What, what does that mean? What's this key? And he started playing, and I and I just—I sang it. Oh my God. I mean, when I knew nothing, I got hired on the spot. I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. Didn't even know where that was. I was like, but... It was one of the best experiences of my life. To this day, Jean Whitaker, who is the cho- choreographer, is still a very dear friend. Mm-hmm. She took me under her wing. She was good to me. I, I learned what it was to, for consistency. We're doing four shows a day, six days a week. Um, I learned about performance levels and skill sets, and I learned so much, and it was, it was the best experience. And I saved $10,000 to move myself back to New York two years later. Wow. And thought, oh my God, I could live forever on this. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that was a rude awakening. <laughs> yeah.
0: What was your first Broadway show?
1: Jerome Robbins Broadway.
0: Oh my gosh. So what, I mean, you auditioned for Jerome Robbins? For I that? did.
1: I, my first, then my first professional gig after that, I moved back to New York with two roommates who worked with me in, uh, at Opryland. They both got work in six months or less. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get arrested. Then I auditioned for for a National Tour of West Side Story with Leilani Jones and Rex Smith. Mm. I didn't get it, but then a, a, a girl, I don't know who it was, was hired, but they fired her, and they brought me in. Uh-huh. And I had to audition one more time. I was hired right then. Uh-huh. But Jerry came in the last two weeks of rehearsal in New York, and, uh, and and tech rehearsal. And one of my favorite stories, so Mr. Robbins, you know, at the end of the show, we were, uh, we were in... Tech and previews, and he, we were doing notes, and he said to me, Joanne, he goes at the end of the show, you know, um, he get, you know, she shoots, they they shoot Tony, blah blah blah. We all know that, right? I'm not, it's not, I'm not. <laughs> not, I'm not spoiler spoiling. I'm not spoiling. And <laughs> we have to do this profes- uh, procession, funeral procession. Basically, it has, and then the curtain comes down. Right. Well, he said, Joanne, I want you to be the last one off. I want you to pick up the shawl and I want you to put it around Maria's shoulders while she's kneeling next to Tony, and then walk, and then she will be the last person off. Mm. So that was right before the opening. Opening night, go up to her, I put the shawl on, and she gets up. Catherine Buffalo gets up and starts walking in front of me. And I was like, No, no. And I'm just so I'm thinking, oh my god, I I can't I can't be the last one off the stage. I'm a nobody. You know what I mean? I thought to myself, what? And the curtain comes down. I was mortified. Opening night party, we're at the party, and there I see Mr. Robin sitting around a big table with a bunch of people. And I was so petrified. I thought, I'm going to get fired. He's going to fire me. He's going to fire me. He's going to know. I, I didn't do it right, you know, and uh, I I saw him wave. He was very lovely to me. I was very fortunate, and he kind of, I made a little eye contact. And I thought, I just, I have to go apologize, and I walked up to him, and I said, I'm so sorry, Mr. Robbins. I, I She got up, and I, I, I didn't know what to do, and I didn't think I should cut in front of her, and he was so, he was, a, and he was just, I don't remember what he said, but he, he was not mean but there were a lot of people around the table so maybe that was okay right, but right. yeah so that was my first experience with Mr. Robbins and then when I was auditioning for Jerome Robbins uh, it was an all-day event I'm sure. started at 10 o'clock in the morning uh-huh. they gave us lunch at one o'clock come back and uh, by this point when we came back there were maybe 10 of us left in the room that I think there were three days of open calls mm-hmm. and I went the first day so then I remember just we were at 890 Studios the old Michael Bennett studios and I was at the ballet bar just kind of stretching because there were like 800 people behind the table talking and blah 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 and, and all of a sudden uh, Joanne I hear my name and, I, and uh, it was Jerry Rob, Mr. Robbins and he said can you come here and I came down and he's looking at my resume and he says to <laughs> me he goes who did you do West Side Story with and I looked right at him I said you but I wasn't trying to be sassy I right. just was like you and everyone at the table looked at him and I said, you only came in the last two weeks and then, and he was so, he was lovely and they all started laugh. It was, I mean, I, I was very lucky, <laughs> but I was mortified. I thought, oh, God, I didn't mean to, I wasn't trying to be disrespectful. You know, I was, you know, I didn't know anything. Yeah, right. So, and then I got hired, that, I left that audition, got a call from the, my agent, said, they, you're, you're gonna be hired, they don't know when we're starting. Yeah. We get, let us know when you if you get another job in the interim.
0: Wow. So. And I've always heard that that process
1: was very long. Is that true? <gasps> Six months of rehearsal. Wow. And an eight-week preview process. Wow. So double what's norm. Processing. And a huge cast, right? There were about 70... 70 or 72 total, including, I think we have 12 swings. This, there was no room backstage at the Imperial that the swings were literally at the front of the house in the offices upstairs in the Imperial. And they had to watch through a monitor.
0: Wow. Yeah. And and what was what was he like? I mean, you, whenever you hear the question of who would you invite to a dinner party, it, it's always Jerome Robbins. I mean, I would give anything to be a fly on the wall in a, in a room with Jerome Robbins. What was that like? You know
1: what? He was a storyteller. You could take any one of his ballets from a from a book musical. If you take them out of context, they would still have a beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. That's real storytelling through movement to me. And that's what I try to do. That's, I, that's how I think. I try to think the way I, what I learn from him. Every movement has a reason. Every it's it's that meticulous whether it's just walking across the stage, mm-hmm. or you're doing a big step, you know what I mean. But there's a rhyme and a reason for it. Mm-hmm. There's a um, there's a motive for it. And um, he was so good to me. I can't tell you why. I think I reminded him of somebody in his younger days that he either liked or greatly respected. Because he, when we would work together, he would touch my face with his hand, very. Um, Fatherly. Hmm. I don't know why, hmm. but I had, I had witnessed his other side. Right. Oh, yeah. He would take people out of numbers. Nope, you're no longer doing it. Put someone in. So you better know every piece of choreography, no matter you're in the number or not, because hmm. w- you would be put into it.
0: Wow. Well, I, unfortunately, we can't talk about all the shows you've done because you've done so many, but I'm curious, did you, have you ever swung? Did you ever swing in your I career? S-
1: um, Chicago.
0: Okay.
1: I, when I did Chicago, I originally was June and but i was also the dance captain and that show if i think it might still be today was a revolving door they were we were constantly putting people in so i was on stage and rehearsed every day, including the day after my day off, which I didn't mind because I was a money horse. So I was like, I'll take that rehearsal. Greg <laughs> Butler was the other dance captain. I was like, I'll take the Tuesday. Um, but I, I asked to actually take myself off the stage because I thought it was so much work right. and I thought I would be better if I could be off stage mm-hmm. and maintain the show than be on stage. Yeah. And so I, I, sw- I ended up swinging, yeah. Okay. Which was not a hard show to swing, really. There's only a few women, you know I mean? the right. it's not. And I, I was dance captain so I knew every track. Right. So it was not a kooky hard thing for me to do and my mind kind of works that way so um there are a lot more shows that are much more difficult to swing than mm-hmm. Chicago for sure
0: will you talk a little bit about that process of maintaining a show Abs- I think that's something people don't realize happens you know and what that's like
1: yes as the dance captain um you're you know my job as a dance captain I was a dance captain for a couple of shows um for for Shogun the, that fabulous hit it's a big bomb uh, I was a principal and a dance captain Wow. Yes, um, Chicago and Millie okay. with Rob Asher. Okay. I feel like your job as, as a dance captain is to maintain the integrity of how the choreographer put that show together. So your job is to maintain the choreography to the best of your ability with new people coming in of how you believe that the choreographer created the show. Mm-hmm. It is very important. It's, you don't put your own stamp on it. Mm-hmm that's not your job your job is the keeper of the work not the creator of the work right. there's a big difference and uh and it takes it's hard because you have to try to think for someone else right. you know what i mean and um uh and you have to gain the respect of your fellow me- fellow cast members because that is your your job is to maintain it. Right. And um, how
0: often would you note the
1: show? Um, probably, if it were a new person going in, uh, a couple of times a week. But normally, maybe like once a month, once every th- just because you can't you can't watch something that much. You're gonna start going, oh, I don't like her fingernails are too long. It, you it, <laughs> then it's that's silly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then you, then it's all about power. Yeah, and it's that's that's not the point. Yeah. Um, I th- I think uh, if, you know, and every show is different, of course. If you have a show like School of Rock, I have lots of young people in that show, so my dance captains probably watch it a little bit more often. But I don't ever want them to get too clean because that show, if it's too clean right. and it's too sterile, it's not it's not right. right. You lose you lose that 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 youthfulness of the show. Did you find that some choreographers were pickier about? really staying
0: true to things Abs- than others?
1: Absolutely. Or? And that's their entitled to. It's their work. Right, right. Absolutely. Right. And that's your job. You have to respect that. You right. know what I mean? Absolutely.
0: To learn more about Joanne M. Hunter and Broadway Dance Lab, please visit broadwaydancelab.org. In Step will be right back. And so... I know that you, you moved into associate work, but was that out of an interest? Like, when did you start to be interested in being a choreographer yourself?
1: How did I was that... not interested. It was, I know this, people are going to like, yeah, you're lying. I was not interested in being a choreographer. I had tunnel vision. I was a performer. That's it. I did, when I was doing Millie, I knew I was getting a little burnt out. I was my, I'm terrible. I was very fortunate. I worked and I had a career. I could support myself. I bought my own apartment. You know what I mean? I was very lucky. But as you know, doing eight shows a week, six days a week, 50 weeks a year, it it takes a toll. And I remember when Millie closed, I consciously said, I'm taking a break from doing a long-running show. So I said, I'll audition for regional stuff. That's three-week run, two-week runs, right? Um, Rob, during the time of Millie, Uh, When I took over for dance, I was not the original dance captain. I took over, and I didn't even want to do that. He asked me, I said, I don't want to do that because I was I went through a, a divorce at that time, and I just thought I just want to take care of myself. And he he asked me, just think about it. So I, I went home, I thought about it. I said, oh, joint, just get over it and do it. Move on. So I, I did, and then he said, he asked me one day, would you like to be my associate? And I said, Rob, what does that mean? Do I have to sign a contract? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I didn't know, I don't want to be tied to anything. I just knew, I, I mean, I knew I was not, didn't want to audition for another Broadway show for a while because I didn't want to be tied down to one thing. And he said, no, no, goes, <laughs> different projects. So I said, okay, yeah. And I loved it because... I loved still being in the room. I loved that creative process. Rob and I had a great banter. I I loved that. I I loved, you know, the only thing that, I, I felt creative. I still felt part of the show, but I could have a glass of wine at dinner. Which I loved. I started loving having my nights off and feeling, oh, like kind of just having a, a, a real life in a way, or a life that was different from what I had before. Um, you know, monetarily you don't get the the money. You get once the show opens, your you your the money's disappear you don't get a royalty that's the creator right. um, unless you're on a day rate which you know I would be called in which is fine but I didn't do it for the money I did it because I, I love doing it you know if the show's a success you don't get the accolades but if the show's not you don't get blamed Right. so I was completely happy I loved it and people ask, used to ask me you should do it on your own I go no I, I actually love what I'm doing Right. And what it, show was
0: that first show that you did with him?
1: Uh, we did the wedding we did princesses at at Goodspeed at Fifth Avenue, and then we did Wedding Singer, and then Curtains, and I helped him on Cry Baby, and then I helped him with Evita in London, but I wasn't the associate. I just kind of did pre-pro with him and just helped him out, and then he went to London. Um, So yeah, and and then one day, uh, an old, uh, an ex-peer of mine, uh, a performer, Ray Roderick, who's a director, who's great, we had done... um, Funny thing happened on the way to the forum together. And he called me out of the blue and said, uh, listen, Joanne, I, I've got the rights to and to rewrite um, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It's going to do a U.S. tour. I would like you to choreograph it. And I thought, what? I thought, me? I said, Ray, you know, I, I've not done anything that big on my own. Mm-hmm. And he said, I know. I've been following your career, Joanne, and I think you're right for this. And then I said, how much? How much liberties do I have? Do I, can I, I mean, do I have to stick to these orchestrations? Can I get my own dance arranger? He said, yes. He said, you have to keep the costume because it's the same uh, designer for set and costume. I said, okay. And then I said, can I manipulate costumes a little bit, shorten so there's, they're more danceable? They Yes. So I went, all right. If right. I'm terrible at it. It's going to go on the road. No one will see it. All right. <laughs> So I thought, you know what, Joanne? Try it. I actually had a great time. It was a different part of my brain I had never used. Uh I was more exhausted, but a different type of exhaustion, not just a physical, but like my brain was fried, but it was invigorating, Uh and it was fun to create and have your own point of view, Uh and Ray was so kind and so supportive to me, and so that was my first taste of it and and it was a big show and uh, I mean when I look back at some of the things I'm like oh god it was terrible but it was a great experience And and so you got to, is that
0: always how it works that the choreographer gets to pick their dance arranger
1: Yes, if a dance arranger is allowed. Now, sometimes a composer will, no, I'll do the dance arrangements. Okay. I worked with Barry Mendel on harmony, and he goes, I want to do the dance arrangements. Okay. And what am I going to say? No, Barry. Right, right. <laughs> but, you... but he was great. Yeah. He was great.
0: Will you explain what that is, what a dance arranger is?
1: So a dance arranger will help um, evolve a number. Let's say, for instance, uh, you know, your composer, your lyricist, write a number, and then it says, oh, dance break. You know, Between this... Between the end of the bridge, before the next chorus, or you know, blah blah blah, but there's no music really written. So what you do, what I do, the first thing I do is I try to okay, what is the story? What's the arc I'm going to do in this number? Mm-hmm. So I figure what I figure that out first. What is conceptually what's going to happen? Mm-hmm in this dance break? How do I move story forward, plot forward, forward to the next piece of vocal sequence? So then, okay, once I have an idea, then I bring in a dance break. And a dance arranger kind of helps evolve the music and go take it to different, um, different places where you can help tell the story, the arc you're creating. You never stray. Marvin Hamlisch told me this. He says, a great dance arranger will never stray from the melody too long. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Because he, because it then becomes a different number. And it was and he was he started out as a dance arranger, he would know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it was a I remember when he told me that and I will never forget that it was like great piece of advice yeah. and so they help and so you can whether you let's say you can take a, a melody and then it's in four four time and you go oh, i want to change it but how do i and i want to make it feel more romantic can we take it into three-quarter time not without changing melody just maybe take changing time signature or adding a, a latin feel or adding a, a swing feel or you know what i mean that it just it takes the number to the next level yeah. so that when you come back in vocally you're growing so talk to me about
0: the Like, I guess, so was Chitty kind of your first stab at choreography then? Absolutely. Okay.
1: Yes, my first, like, big stab.
0: Yeah. So so in those early days, do you feel like you were kind of mimicking slightly what you had seen happen with your, the people you've been your associate, They're like, what, you know, do you, how does, can you remember those early days of your process and, and what that was like? Well,
1: I think, you... um, I probably, yeah, I think my, pro- my process was definitely inspired by the, the, the choreographers that I was an associate with before, right. um, but.
0: And did you feel, like, I guess I'm just curious to know exactly how you tackled, a number back then like when you when you haven't done it before and it's this big production number how do you begin
1: um story I cannot choreograph a step unless the narrative is there mm-hmm. so for me it's I, I I read even as a dancer I couldn't just do a step for the sake of doing a step and if it was and it felt if it felt that way that I found a reason to do it it was the only way I felt like I could dance mm-hmm um, same thing when I I just, I would, you know, read script, read script up to that, to the song, what's happening lyric wise, what's going on. And then, okay, what am I doing? What am I doing here? Okay, let's figure it out. And what's the story. And that's, that's kind of how that was my process. you know what I mean? And that's, um, and like I said, I was influenced by Jerry Robbins. I mean, everything he did had a meaning. And so it was not just about steps for the sake of steps. I, I, as a, Audience member, I get bored if I just see people just dancing. And go, why? What? What's happening? I mean, no matter how fabulous they are, you know, how high they can kick, how many turns they can do. Great. Anybody with great technique can do that, or, or is limber. But dancing from your goal, from your gut, your soul, your sex. You, that's where it has to come from, and it ha- and there has to be a point of view behind it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Otherwise, it's just taking class. It's just technique, and that's that's not enough for me. So as a dancer I felt that way, so I think as a creator I just, that's how I wanted to try to create.
0: So I was curious because you worked on shows like Curtains and more like kind of technical shows, and then you worked on Spring Awakening. Was it that was it the original Spring Awakening? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So a wide, very wide range of of shows stylistically. Yes. Um, and what was that like?
1: Well, I l- love Spring Awakening. I love Michael Mayer. I love him. I'll do anything for him. He's great. He gave me my first Broadway show, so I would do anything for mm-hmm. him. Um, I think he's awesome. I think he thinks outside the box. I. I love the show. I love that it was so different. I loved and And let, uh, Michael, I mean, um, Bill T was great. Michael also did a great deal of the staging on that. Okay. Um, and. Um, I I get bored easily, not by watching something, by me create creatively. I like to be around younger people because they keep me young, I feel like. They inspire me. I know old-fashioned musical theater like the back of my hand. You know what I mean? So this was to, to be uh, exposed to something that was a little bit different, a little bit outside the norm. I, I loved it. I loved that it was more... Um, I mean, dance is not a literal format, period, right? But that was even more off the beaten path, and um, it could was. Could you a, tell
0: right away that it was going to be what it was? That it was going to be such a
1: hit? No, no. I I could. Uh, when I, I didn't start working on it till we got to Broadway oh. uh, at the Atlantic. I saw my my husband is a sound designer, so when I first went to see it, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then Michael called me up and he said, I would like you I'd like you to come in. And work with me. And I said, oh. And I said, do I have to be there every night? <laughs> he said, no, maybe once a month. I said, okay.
0: So you were his associate?
1: I was a little of both. Okay. I mean, I, I came in to, the. I was originally brought in because the show was getting a lot of acclaim now, you know. And um, uh, right before they opened. And they were doing a lot. They were getting, uh, people, were, even though people were walking out. Before it opened, wow. because people saw Spring Awakening, thought it to me flowers and Easter and oh. happiness. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the original poster was very different. Yes, from the, I remember that. You know, yeah. it was a girl with long, flowy hair and and um, but but critically, people knew this was an inspiring piece of piece of theater. Mm-hmm. So they were gonna they were gonna they're starting to get some television spots and and so Michael brought me in. I need for you to help. With this, help me put together these things. So that's why originally I was like, okay, let me, you know, and work on the show, and okay, well, this, I feel like this is, if you want to do this, we have to do this, and I think you should be doing it. For the Tonys, I said, we should do a melody. We shouldn't do one song because this is not traditional. There's no button on hardly any of these numbers. And I go, if you want to sell for the public, we need to, to me, I was like, we need a little bit more than just. So that's kind of how I got involved with the show and with Bill T. Um, I, I, I think the show's brilliant. I thought it was beautiful. And I loved, what I loved about the show, it was not, not that fluff is anything wrong with a good old-fashioned fluffy musical, just to take you away. But what I loved about Spring Awakening was that if it could create a dialogue between somebody young and their parent or, or an older person to help guide them, then how brilliant was that? I mean, it was yeah. the, one of the first times I really thought, oh, you could actually say something.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And entertain. Yeah. Not that other shows don't do that, but it was really. It's it, rare, though. It is rare, yeah. and I remember just like I. That's what I found fascinating about it. Yeah. And the talent. These young kids. I mean, they were 14, 15 years old. They were, and they were not not like unlike School of Rock, where we don't want savvy theater kids. Did not want savvy. Right. kids we wanted them raw so we watched their experience yeah. you know the, by the, probably the end of the run they were all probably all having sex with each other but you know right. it is showbiz yeah.
0: <laughs> do you think that working on that is what led you to work on School of Rock or how did, how did oh, School of Rock come into your life
1: School of Rock came into my life through actually Bespoke Nina Lannan who's the head of Bespoke Management Theatrical and Devin Kudel, Um Andrew came to them saying I'm, I want to do School of Rock and we're looking for a choreographer they put my name up I met with Lawrence Connor, the director. We um, we met. We each had three glasses of wine each. Hit it off. We just talked. and then and then we went to dinner. Yeah, <laughs> and we just hit it off. And um, Andrew remembered me because I did cats when I was a dancer. I was the white cat many 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 years ago, and so that's really kind of how how School of Rock happened. It was I was very lucky. I had a, luckily I had a great rapport with Lawrence and, and Andrew, and it just, it just happened.
0: And what was that process
1: like for you? Oh, it was tricky. Oh, <laughs> not, not, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It means that, because it's, you know, Andrew was very adamant that he did not want the show to feel like, um, Matilda. Nothing, Matilda's brilliant, but those kids are meticulous, slick. These kids have to feel raw, like mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was very important that how we how we moved the show was very that was important to him. Had
0: you worked with kids before like
1: that? Uh, I do I, wor- I do these outreach programs. One is with Cirrus Fund, which is a, the Paul Newman Organization uh, for children with very life threatening illnesses. But it was like once or twice a year. Right. Um, and I love working with, I, and young people and Spring Awakening. But they weren't that young. Right. But I love working with young people. I know it's crazy, but I get to go home too uh, because they're. They're sponges. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And and just watching watching someone actually get it and then apply it Mm -hmm. is so fascinating. To see the light bulb go blink, 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 blink on just like, oh. And you just, when, and somehow the process happens faster with one young person than another. uh, It's It's like uh, teaching. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fast. And I loved, and I love, I do love working with young people. Mm -hmm. I do. And I get, I just, it makes me not swear as much, which is probably a good thing. (laughs) And, uh, but I do at the end of the night, I get to go home. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So sorry,
0: you were saying that you had to sort of move the show in a different way. Yeah, a
1: different way. And it just, um, it had to feel like children moving, not dancers mm-hmm. and so I just I would do all these exercises I would do these light uh, these uh, uh, team building exercises and and improv we would just dance around the room and I would have the uh, pianist come to it's like okay I said when I would point to him I go, I want you to change I said I want you to play classical then rock then pop and I just and I go hmm. okay let's dance away with the music makes us feel and then I put chairs up and I go okay now you have to be in a proper school how do you act boom so I, I worked on their physicality that way mm-hmm. you know what I mean and so then started developing the movement and how and how the show moves itself that way
0: that's really great that you were that you had enough confidence in yourself to allow yourself to have that much freedom in the rehearsal process I feel like because I mean a lot of times there's so much pressure to come in with so much pre-pro done because time is money you got to get the show up you know, where did you did you always feel truly okay with that or were you ever like internally panicked? Oh, for...
1: always. Every yeah. second of every, every day and it's just like pulling it out of my butt yeah, like yeah, yeah. Burr, burr, you know what I mean? Um, but we did a workshop. We did a, a reading, a, a, a 29-hour reading which all adults so we could hear the script first time. No, mm-hmm. no, it was not invited. It was just for us. Mm-hmm. Then we did a workshop. We did like a seven-week workshop okay. so that we were able to play right. and then we had a full rehearsal process. Okay. So we, we, we had the luxury of time yeah. uh, and we needed it because these kids had to. They were musicians too, so mm-hmm. they had to be so skilled at that. Right. Um, every day, you know, it's like, oh my God, just pulling out my butt, you know. And the director would say, oh yeah. So do I, I think they, they moved here? Like how to, So we have to figure out how to change the set. And I was like, okay, here
0: we go. I know. Here we go. I know. You know,
1: and you just, but you do, But I love that. I actually like working under pressure. Okay. I know it's a little weird, but I, I, I kind of thrive slightly on it. But then I also get anxiety at the same time. Um, yeah.
0: I know, I love, I've assisted a lot, and I love those moments when they say, like, okay, so-and-so, you're up. And, and I watch the person I'm assisting just be like, okay. And you just have to fake it till you make it. Like, fake you know? it until you make
1: it. Here's the thing, what I learned, somebody has to be in charge. Yeah. When you're techie, you know, the, okay, Joanne, where do you want to go from? The top. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just, but, but you, the, that's a skill set that is, is is. You're, I'm consistently learning, I feel like, uh-huh. and you, you're build, you build on that skill set, mm-hmm. and you get better and better at it, and, and you make a mistake every time you do it, but then you learn, hopefully you take two steps forward and half a step back, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, but it's, and every director is different, every producer is different, every writer, you know, the, every every room is going to be different, you have got to adapt to that room. It's, I think, otherwise, Otherwise, we've seen shows that don't, somehow, that's not meshing, and a lot of times it's because maybe the collaborators are not. They're not all on the same page, yeah. and it's, it, I mean, it doesn't always happen. It just, it's life, you know what I mean?
0: It takes a village to make Broadway Dance Lab happen, and we depend on the support of organizations and individuals who believe in our mission, and who want to help us nurture the next generation of choreographic talent. To learn more about how you can get involved, or to make a donation, please visit broadwaydancelab.org. Will you talk about the preview process a little bit? About how, like, like maybe with School of Rock, how how that preview period yeah. was?
1: Oh, it's exhausting. No, with, with, with School of Rock, it was a little bit different because we did that workshop. So we learned, before we started the show, to change the first 20 minutes, the order. Mm-hmm. So we learned a lot. Um... Preview process for anything is hard because you're still in 10 out of 12s basically. Basically, you work 10 out of 12 hours a day, mm-hmm. 12 noon to 12 midnight or 12 to 11.30 and have an hour and a half lunch, you know, right. it's, um, it's exhausting and because, and hard for the actors because they have to rehearse all during the day and then do the show at night, come back with new changes the next day, you know what I mean, we're still finessing the show, we're still, we want to cut the show down because not, one, maybe it's too long, one, maybe, oh, we are just cut, cut some fat out, we yeah. don't need all that, and you, it's hard. When you're in rehearsal, you get so close to it that you, you need to step back, hear an audience, see an audience, see also for yourself going, oh, that does not work. You have and then, to step but then away. Sometimes I feel
0: like what can get hard is that you've watched it so many times that a change feels weird and it still might be a good change. But it can be hard to tell. Does that make sense? Because you're, because you're like, that's not the right rhythm that I'm used to hearing for the past eight weeks. Yes. You know, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yes. I think you have to, you have to have the sense to go. Okay, let me just let's just let's play one one or two more shows, mm-hmm. and if it still doesn't work, then we'll change it again. You yeah. just have to go. Okay, let, let's let's hear it again. Let's hear it again. Let's right. see it again. Let's see it again. Right. Absolutely. You have to you have to be patient. You have to be open enough to allow those changes to happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you have to get sleep. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. what, what has it been like for you being a woman in the business
1: nah. <laughs> you know what I get asked this question a lot um, when I was a performer and never thought twice about being a woman i I never thought twice about the people in front of the room I just I only labeled them as the title oh that's the director I didn't go oh our director's a woman or our director's a male I didn't it, it never occurred to me to to look at their sex. I, I don't know why. It wasn't until I was on the other side of the table that I would sometimes look around the you know production table and go, oh, uh, I'm the only female in this room.
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to say, do you think that's because there weren't that many women at the front of the room, or were there when you were performing? Like, maybe it didn't occur to you because they weren't there. You know
1: what? That's a really good point. <laughs> I never even thought about that. That's pro- you're probably right. Um,
0: what has been... Like I, I mean, you're far from finished, but this far, how what's been like your biggest lesson as a choreographer? What's been a moment in your career where you you really learned a big lesson?
1: Hmm. There's so many of them. Um, okay, couple. Don't read reviews. <laughs> okay, because if listen, if someone says something great about you, you're like, "Oh, oh no, you know, but you you, you believe it. And if you believe that, then you're going to have to believe something when someone doesn't say something nice. Right. And when you see it in print, it's very hard to get out of your head. Mm-hmm. Very hard. Um, and you, you have to, the biggest lesson, the biggest things I think I learned is that you have to believe in what you're doing. And it's art. It's all subjective. What somebody thought the Mona Lisa was a brilliant, somebody said, that's it? I'm sure. Um, it's, a, it's Art is subjective. So you have, to, you have to believe in what you're doing. You have to believe in your point of view. And you have to do it 100%. Because if you question it, I guarantee you, everyone in the room will know it. Mm. And they will question it. Mm.
0: What, is your, what is your gauge for success? Like, when you watch something you've made, what, what makes you feel like, I did it?
1: <laughs> oh, my God. I've never <laughs> been asked that question. I don't know what that... <laughs> oh, my God. My gauge for success. I mean... It's always nice when they applaud at the end of an album. I'm so remedial, doesn't it? But, okay, you know what? We just opened the tour of School of Rock, right? And it was, tech, it was not going well. Tech was, I mean, we didn't have as much time as we would have liked. You know, we shortened our rehearsal process, which was really difficult, especially with young people. Um, tech rehearsal was tight. I was like, we, we, couldn't, we did not get through the show without stopping until the first performance. The first time we ran the show was supposed, supposed to be an invited dress, we canceled that, stopped four times in act, one, act two, four, three or four, in just one act. And I thought, oh my god, this is a disaster. Right. Then, uh, then the next day, we instead of like, working on other things, we decided, okay, we're gonna work from the point where we fell apart to the end of the show and get it together. Did it, boom, still stopped once, boom that night was the first preview we did it without stopping the audience went crazy that i was just like i there's a little part of me went oh my god they liked it okay i, right. I was a small part of that okay you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. It, so those those moments those moments you, you feel makes you feel good who, yeah. who doesn't feel good when someone goes yay
0: right, right. <laughs> have you had i mean there's been a couple a couple of. Moments in my life where I've made something and I've I've been like I really liked it. I feel very proud of that you yes. know in a, in a way that's unique from other things I've done. Yes. What was like the first thing for you like that?
1: It when I did On a Clear Day with Michael Mayer, mm-hmm. I had to do a, a a menage a trois, and it was very storytelling, and it got applause in the middle of the number, and it was just a trio, and not a one of them are dancers. And, I, and I'll never forget, it was the first preview, and it got an applause in the middle, and Michael Mayer came, we, I was standing in the back on the steps, and I was Michael Mayer came running up to me, and just like grabbed my hand, I'll, oh, I'm like, I'm getting curious He was so supportive. And that was, that was one of the things I'm most proud of, because it was so storytelling, mm-hmm. that dance, that I did with three non-dancers.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what's your favorite part of the process?
1: The rehearsal room. I hate tech, saying it out loud. <laughs> Um, uh, the rehearsal, I love being, I love being in the rehearsal room trying to figure it out. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Just like, oh, I don't know what's working. And then I, and then all of a sudden it all comes together. Like, oh my God, I, uh, that's going to work. That's going to work. I love it. Then the next day we'll come in. Okay, let's clean that. Let's rehearse it. Blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, and then I hate it all. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I love being in the room with dancers. I like being in the room with actors too, but I love being in the room with dancers because mm-hmm. dancers there's no other human being besides an athlete that's like a dancer. They are disciplined. They will do what you ask for them. They will make it work. They just—it's just a different mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, tech. I mean, I—I I love the other when the elements come together. Right. But there's something about the rawness of being in rehearsal and your imagination.
0: Yeah, I know. It's interesting to watch. Like so many shows I've worked on, it's like these moments that work amazing in, in the studio, and then you get to the stage, and it doesn't work anymore. And it's, and many times I've thought, it's because I can't imagine it anymore. Like, right. now, now I see it. Now, it's, now I'm being forced to look at it in this way, and in my head I saw it like this, and that was somehow better.
1: That's really great. I mean, I never thought of that, but you're, abs- you're absolutely right, because our imagine- nothing's better than our imagination, right? right? Nothing's more creative yeah. than what's going on up there that no one else can see. <laughs> yeah, it's like
0: seeing a movie of your favorite book.
1: Yes, you know. it's never what, I'm like, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I finally saw, I read The, the Hunger Games, you know, the first one, and the, the wolves that had the faces of the people. Oh, did you read the book? And I did Okay, well, I, and I remember thinking, oh, my God, that's, I just remember my imagination. And when I saw the movie, I go, no, that's not, that's yeah. not, that's not right. <laughs> yeah.
0: right. Um, well, any, any pieces of advice for, for choreographers that are trying to get started?
1: Oh, heavens to me. It's not easy. It's not easy getting your foot in the door. It's right. not, you know what I mean? Same people work all the time. Yeah. Good for those of us who can. Hard for new people to get in. Um, I, I avoided doing a reel and a website because I was like, what? You know, I was old school. I was like, what? You want to see something? Hire me for three days. Hire 10 dancers and I'll show you. I'll, I'll pick the number and I will show you what I can do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um you have to. You have to roll the times. I've learned that. I resisted forever. It wasn't until a general manager said, "Joanne, get a website." I went. I don't want a website. I was. I was like, directors don't have to have a website. You know what I mean? And I resisted for a long time because I just was like, oh, I hated it. You have to. It's the. It's the the age we live in. Mm-hmm. So. Invest in that, you know, and work on your craft, work on creativity, work on storytelling, work, um, because in, in, when it comes down to it, you know, the, those great dance shows that are out there, So You Think You Can Dance, all those that have actually brought dance more to the forefront, which is great, but... It's they're not they're not theatrical they're not they're not part of a whole story. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a very no if you're living in the world of the of contemporary dance it's very different right. But if you want to do theater where you have a book musical where you have to you have to help plot then you have to learn how to create movement that is guided by narrative by plot and it's not just about your ego because I don't care how great your steps are if your group of dancers are actors or the, or are not able to get across what you are developing, it's not, it, no not going to work. It right. doesn't care how creative your dance steps are. It's, it's not going to work.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, the last question that I like to ask people on here is just simply, why do we need dance in our lives?
1: Oh, heavens. It's an outlet. It's a... Because especially if you're a physical human being like I am, if you can only see my hands right now. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know what I mean? No, They're no like, why yeah. am just like... Um, first of all, it's, it's, it's a release because it's physical. So you can release emotion without speaking word. Um, and, it, and it's a beautiful visual art form that can be incredibly touching. And it keeps you in shape. Get out from behind that damn computer screen. That's right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's it's a it's an art for, it's a storytelling art form that is not literal, but you can still get a point across if done well.
0: great. Well it has truly been a pleasure. Oh thank you. Oh, thank you so much for this.
1: Thank and thank you for asking me. I'm very honored. Absolutely. And BDL, bravo to <laughs> you guys. I'm just I t- I talk about you guys all the time. I really do. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: InStep is created by Broadway Dance Lab and recorded, edited, and hosted by Nick Kepley. You can listen to this podcast again, access our archives, and learn more about the company by visiting broadwaydancelab.org.